back to the view from down under. It's been a crazy couple of weeks with multiple NBA trades going off and the NFL well into its COVID-depleted final half of the season. Also, the IOC announcing today that breakdancing is heading to the Olympics in 2024. More on that later, though. It's been a crazy couple of weeks in the NFL, Charles, but the playoff picture is slowly taking place, which is very good. Yeah, it's been a bit crazy. Obviously, we've had a big uh, COVID breakout with the Ravens and the Broncos playing a game with no quarterback. The, uh, but, you know, the, the, the good teams are starting to emerge, as well as the Steelers. And we'll see what happens over the next four weeks. Exactly. And today, Charles and I are, of course, joined by Oregon native and devout Oregon Ducks fan, Dylan. First off, how was the turkey ball? And uh, did you guys end up winning that game? Well, we just have uh, people show up. You don't really keep score, you know, but uh, we <laughs> had like... has 10, the biggest hit. <laughs> yeah, we had like 10, 12 guys show up and then uh, we hooked up with another group of 10, 12 guys. So we had like 20 guys playing and we, had, we played at this complex of turf fields that uh, there's a bunch of different fields. So there were like four or five groups playing all around us. So it was fun. There was a bunch, oh, awesome. bunch of guys out playing. Yeah. Sounds late. All right, well, let's get into the NFL because it's been a crazy couple of weeks. Uh, the big news this morning is the Pittsburgh Steelers losing their first game of the season uh, to the Washington no-name team. Question for you, boys. Uh, this Steelers team has obviously been on a bit of a run, but has that run been overvalued a little bit uh, given the track record of the teams they have beaten so far this season? A little bit, sure, but um, you can't really control who you play. So yeah. strength of schedule always plays somewhat of a role in what your record is, but there are no gimmies in the NFL uh, ever. So, I mean, I think they're overvalued a little bit, uh, but they're still one of the top two or three teams in the, the AFC, and they're uh, certainly a Super Bowl possibility. Maybe not with the, the Chiefs there in, in their conference, but they're, yeah. they're, they're, you know, number two or number three. Yeah, I mean, you can't be mad at a team for being 11 and 0. Um, you know, what would we be saying if they were 7 and 4? You know, they'd be saying, you know, they should have won all those games anyway. They've won every game expected of them. Uh, obviously, they lost uh, this morning to the Washington name redacted. But we, but, you know, they've, they've played well so far this season. Yes, yes, they've beaten Baltimore with, you know, a practice squad team and, the, and they've played the NFC least. But, again, you can only play who's in front of you. And, you know, if they don't get tested, that's their fault, you know. But they've played well. And, you know, the playoffs are coming up when they play some, you know, the, the legit teams in their conference. So, you know, then we'll really see what they're made of. Yeah, well, in my opinion, I think they're going to win their division and then probably bow out uh, in the first or second round of the playoffs. I don't really see them... As a deep uh, playoff run kind of team, uh, as Charles mentioned, COVID has destroyed the regular season a little bit uh, with multiple Ravens players uh, testing positive for COVID and missing their matchups. And then also the Broncos playing without a quarterback uh, last weekend as well. Um, going into the season, do we do you think we really expected this or it's, you know, it's, it's kind of all blown up a little bit for the NFL and its management? I think it's been okay. I have a, but I have a question that, um, despite the monkey wrenches that keep getting thrown into the season, do we think that it has fundamentally altered 
the outcome thus far? Because I think for all the craziness mm. to have happened in the NFL season so far, I think the teams that are rising to the top are exactly the same teams that yeah. normally would. They're the ones teams, you'd expect, yeah. Right. Teams like the Niners have been hit by things like injuries and yeah. not necessarily COVID. Um, the last couple – you know, they have had their – some guys out because of COVID, but their season has not been derailed because of that. Um, I, you know, I think I think the teams that are rising to the top are exactly the ones that I would have expected normally. So it's kind of – COVID has been a, just a, a nightmare to the season, but in some ways it's exactly how I expected it. Yeah, I think it was a bit unrealistic to expect that a league with no bubble was going to stay COVID-free. And, you know, I think the regular season in the NFL, you know, if it, you know, would the Ravens really have beaten the Steelers after the fact that they'd lost three in a row? You know, you can debate that. You know, Lamar hasn't played that well this season. But to me, it will only really impact the season in a negative way if it impacts the team during the playoffs. You know, if it impacts, you know, a yeah. team in the regular season, I don't think anyone is going to be too upset by it or too angry about it. But if yeah. a team is on the road in an in a in a playoff game and half the team gets COVID, then it will then that will have the series. Well, what's impact. the what's the protocol for that? Do like do they play that game? Surely, if you have a situation where, let's say, it's Ravens versus Steelers in the AFC Championship game, and eighteen players are missing, like surely you don't play that game. Surely you postpone it for a week or a couple of days. Do we think? Do we think that they're going to try and do the bubble come playoffs? Yeah, I think they are. I think they are trying to work it out. I know out. that, that has been thrown around. Yeah, but like the the fact that you're going to have what a, a roster of fifty five players, including staff and numerous other people, times that by what seven seven playoffs team each conference now, so fourteen. I mean, that's a hell of a lot of people to put inside what one bubble. It's completely different to the how well, you know NBA did it, only having fifteen players well, I wouldn't, and their staff. I wouldn't be surprised if they split it up by the conferences, though. Yeah, I reckon they'll probably end like up doing seven, that. Seven to a side. The way the way MLB did it by doing it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I reckon that might work. Yeah. Yeah, I think the I think the biggest COVID impact so far. I mean. Arguably, might be the 49ers having to switch home fields. Yeah. Because um, there, there have been some games delayed, but I think having to totally move your operation, not to just like another county, but an entire another state, yeah. that's, uh, that's probably the biggest impact so far. And maybe, st- maybe mitigated a little bit less by the fact there's no, there's no fans in the stands, but yeah. it's still a huge change. And a, a stadium they don't have a very good record in as well. So right. there might be a bit of hoodoo with that. But yeah, no, that's by far been the biggest impact, uh, in my opinion. Uh, let's speak about, uh, let's move away from COVID for a second. I really want to talk about Alex Smith, who had an incredible game uh, today. Um, is this a, a, probably the probably my pick for uh, comeback player of the year? Do you guys agree with this at all? Yeah, I think he'll definitely be in the running for it. Um, especially if, if, especially, look, if, if the name redacted wins, uh, the the division and makes the playoffs. He'll definitely win it for sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't see anyone else in the running for that. I mean, if he's only played less than half the season by now, but just just the feel good nature of the story. Uh, have you watched his? Um, have you watched his documentary? I have not. Oh, you should, it's incredible! Like the what he went through 
with the surgeries and like the possible amputation of his whole right. leg. It's like, I mean, if, if you're a bit squeamish and you don't like looking at, you know, like legs that have had half the flesh <laughs> moving, uh, removed, sorry, you probably wouldn't want to watch it, but just seeing what he went through and having like 23 surgeries over like 12 months or something, something ridiculous like that. It's just, it's honestly amazing the way he's been able to come back and play football again. Uh, yeah, incredible story. The, yeah. I mean, I think the only other, other player who's, who's even in the running really for NFL comeback player of the year is the QB he played today. Yeah. Uh, Roethlisberger who missed most of last season with a broken elbow and he's, Obviously, led the Steelers to you know the best record in the NFL. So you know, but yeah, look, I think especially if Washington win the division, there's yeah, there's not going to be much con- much competition for that award. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, let's break down a couple of the divisions because there were some key games uh, on the weekend. Uh, a, a few a few little surprises as well. The Giants upsetting the Seahawks, uh, which was a big win for them. <laughs> They've now won four straight if you can believe that. And uh, the Seahawks have kind of fallen off a cliff a little bit. Everyone thought this was going to be Russell Wilson's year and uh, he was going to finally win that uh, MVP award that he's been climbing for his whole career. And, yeah, they've taken a couple setbacks over the last couple of weeks. Believe me, no one was more indifferent about this game than me. As a Giants fan, unfortunately, (laughs) I loved it. It's probably our first impressive win in about five years. you know, we finally, you know, showed some guts. Our defense has played very well the last four weeks, kept them down. Obviously, our obviously our attack isn't very good. But uh, yeah. as an owner of Russell Wilson on fantasy, he really <laughs> It's uh, the double it's the double jeopardy. You get, exactly. you get both. Double sword. <laughs> so look, uh, the Seahawks, they seem to do this every season. They start well, you know, five and oh, five and one, six and one sort of thing. And then they sort of slow down during the middle of the season and then they'll come back, finish, either win or finish second in their division and then lose their first playoff game. They, I don't know, they just seem to be on a treadmill. Like, they don't seem to be able to sort of break apart, break away from the rest of their division. Mm. You know, I think trading two first-round picks for Jamal Adams was an enormously steep price, especially yeah. given you now essentially have to pay him whatever he wants because you're not going to let him walk for free. So, you you know, I just think they've got... I mean, their defence just isn't good enough. And it hasn't really been since the Legion of Boom. And, you know, they've tried to address it. They had Frank Clark, but then they traded him. They, they traded for Clowney. That didn't work out. They traded <laughs> for Jamal Adams. That hasn't really worked out as well as they'd like. Definitely so, not Definitely not to the, the first-round picks they gave up. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it just hasn't... Look, they just haven't been able to get much. I mean, outside of Bobby Wagner, there isn't much on the defensive line. So, you know, they just need to find a way to get better defensive linemen, really. I will say that I love seeing that win, not least because (laughs) I am a Niners fan and I hate (laughs) the Seahawks, so I love seeing them lose. Uh, But that Giants team is playing really hard for Joe Judge right now. And um, he's really bringing out the most of those guys. That defense, I mean, they could have five pro bowlers this year on defense. The offense, you know, they've got some weapons, but uh, Danny Kensent piece I don't think is all that great. I don't think he's mm. the future necessarily. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad to see them win as well because, man, I think 
for the integrity of the NFL and the NFL's playoffs, they need teams to do well that make the playoffs. Yeah. And having a Giants team make the playoffs, it's like that ends up with five or six wins. Um, and it's this happened, good. you know, this, is, this does happen yeah. in the last couple of years coming out of the NF- NFC East where it's just they're abysmal teams making the playoffs. Um, I, I think for the integrity of the playoffs, they need teams to do well. I'm glad that they but, got this win because I, I want to see the Giants at least if they're going to make the playoffs, they got to be at least close to 500 or within yeah. a game of 500. Otherwise, I think it's just a, a crap shoot to have teams make it like that. But then you have a team like the nine in the 2011 New York Giants who went nine and seven and they went all the way to the Super Bowl. So, which is nine and seven to me is a perfectly respectable respectable uh, record, especially yeah. in, the, in the NFL. Like we discussed, there's no gimmies. That nine and seven to me is is a million miles from seven and nine or six and ten. Yeah. Has there ever been a six and ten playoff team? No, there was the Seahawks, which is seven and nine, and then there was the the, the Panthers. Yeah, but those are the only two losing teams to win their division. I think if the Giants okay. would have lost this week, though, they very likely could have made the playoffs with six wins. Yeah, yeah, especially no. if, especially, especially if the name redacted had lost today. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's looking unlikely now. I think either one of those teams is going to have to win at least seven or eight games. You're going to have to get eight wins to win this division now. I mean, yeah. Uh, let's... I still think the NFL needs to move to Jimmy around their playoff structure so that they're not letting teams in to have just crap records. Yeah. And that's been a huge debate I think over the being, last couple of I think of years. we're past time for that. Yeah. yeah. That's a whole other argument, though. Yeah, I that just is. Think if, you, if you lose more games than you win, you should not be allowed to make the playoffs in any sport. NBA, MLB, yeah. I don't care. If you if you lose more than you win, you're not a good team. Yeah, no, no I definitely agree. Uh, I want to speak about the AFC East uh, quickly. Obviously, the the Bills beating the Niners today in Arizona. Uh, but one team I do want to speak about is uh, Miami, who are looking very good at the moment. Are uh, probably not going to be uh, the team they want to be this year, but for the next you know five years, having Tua and, you know, a very young core, uh, a very young established core together. Uh, they look like a real force for the next couple of years, in my opinion. Yeah, they've really yeah. surprised me this season. I did not think they would be eight and four after 12 games. Yeah. And, you know, I thought, I thought Brian Flores did an excellent job with our crap team last year to get them to six wins, uh, four, five wins. But, you know... Two has played well. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick's even played well. I mean, he's got a QBR of 77 this season. So, they've played well. And you've got to remember, they've got the Texans' first-round pick this year and I think the second-round pick as well. So, they've got a lot of good draft picks yeah. coming up. All those so, trades. All those, remember all those trades for getting rid of Lamry, Lamry Tunsil and Minka Fitzpatrick? Towns. All of a sudden, those are looking very, very profitable for them. Their future. They cleaned house and they've and they've rebuilt very very quickly. Um, yeah. Look, I mean, it looks like they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, they've got. I mean, they've got. I mean, their last four games are against the Chiefs, Pats, Raiders, and Bills, which are all losable. But I yeah. think I'll win it for them. I think ten and six. If they get to ten and six, I mean, he's got to be in the running for coach of the year. I mean, with this team. Yeah, I definitely, definitely coach of the year. Yeah, yeah, but this team, yeah, I mean, very surprising. 
Well, Dylan. unfortunately, they have to play the Chiefs again and the Patriots yeah. again and the Bills again. So yeah. even the, <laughs> the Raiders. teams they've lost to, they're back on the slate. That's a, it's a tough, con- tough division. It is a very tough division. Uh, another team that's looking very good at the moment, even without their star quarterback, uh, is the Saints, who won again today without Drew Brees, who's uh, unlikely to return for another couple of weeks or maybe in the next couple of weeks. Uh, who knows? But they're looking like probably the best team in the NFC at the moment. Yeah, they're. I mean, their defense is stout. They've got the weapons on offense. Hill, I, I don't think, is – ever going to be a starting quarterback outside of this peculiar situation yeah. uh i think i think the hype about him i'm tired of hearing and hearing them called the you know the swiss army knife type of thing you know he passes <laughs> and he, he runs the ball that's 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 what he does and that's all you need in that team though with the offensive yeah, weapons I mean, he they have. does it at a fine passable level but you know they beat the the broncos last week which was a terrible situation uh I, but they're a peculiar situation where they have the structure to withstand losing Drew Brees, and they were not winning on the arm of Drew Brees to start with. You know, they were doing it with defense and just a ton of weapons on offense. Um, so you know, they they were very they were built to withstand losing him for a little while. They lost a- them recently in the past, and they've done okay. So I think they're just kind of used to this. They've got the you know they've got the system there. Is it a sign that the Saints are probably ready to move on from Drew Brees and kind of target a younger and maybe not as good quarterback, but maybe yeah. someone that can kind of build around for the future? I think, I think so. Uh, Drew Brees is still uber smart, but you could see earlier this year, his arm strength is just not mm, there. Not throwing Some, 10 yards. Sometimes it would be there. Yeah. Sometimes it yeah. would be there. He could get up, but. It just – he's always been kind of a dinker and a dunker, but this year especially you can see that some of those throws he's just not quite making like he used to. I think it's time they start looking for that. Yeah, I mean, him and – I mean, he's got the same things happening with Brady where they're not – I mean, they just can't throw it down the field like Mahomes anymore. You know, it's just not that he's too old. But, you know, I think, you know, the Taysom Hill thing, they're just – whether it be uh, on purpose or by design, they're, they're doing this to – I reckon they're just doing this to increase his trade value. So if they mm. want to get rid of him, they can. But, I mean, look, it's him or Jameis Winston. And, you know, Jameis Winston is not a long-term answer. They've brought him in on a one-year deal as a backup to the backup, just in case Taysom Hill doesn't work out. So, I mean, they've got Hill signed for next season, so they might as well play him. So, yeah. you know, Breeze, I mean, look, I reckon, especially if they win the whole thing, this is going to be his last year. So, you know, whether they move in for another QB, which will be likely, I think the way Sean Payton has spoken about, the way he's spoken about Hill, I think he'll at least give him next season if Breeze doesn't return and he retires. Mm. But look, um, he's done enough. Obviously, he's not, you know, an elite QB. He's barely a QB, but... You know, he's, he, he fills a very good role for that team in, in, in their current form. So you might as well keep him around. Yeah, no, I agree. Charles, do you have anything laying around your house that you never use? Yeah, I got a drone a couple of years ago that I paid $1,500 for, and I've only used it twice. It feels useless to keep it around, but I haven't been able to sell it. Well, let me tell you about Gecko. Gecko helps literally anyone securely make money from their own items that are sitting around in their house gathering dust in literally the easiest way possible. 
They've helped hundreds of people make money from renting out items they rarely use and they're growing rapidly. So you're telling me that I can rent out my drone and make money from it? Yes, exactly. You can be making extra cash by simply jumping onto geckoonline.com.au slash cash in on clutter to make up to $400 a week from your drone that is sitting around gathering dust in your own home. That's awesome. I'll have to go check it out. If you're looking to make some extra cash, jump on over to geckoonline.com.au slash cash in on clutter to start making up to $400 a week from items that are laying around your home. Now back to the podcast. Let's move on to the uh, NBA uh, because there was a massive trade uh, that came out a couple of days ago. I want to give props to Dylan for uh, predicting yep. it. Uh, but Who called obviously, that? Who called obviously it? The one I'm talking about is uh, Westbrook. Did we get that on record? <laughs> you did. That's why, that's why I gave you props, Dylan. That's why I gave you props. <laughs> Uh, that was, but the first thing I the first thing I did when I heard about that was immediately text you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I'm very unexpected uh, from my behalf. But yeah, the giving up one first rounder and John Wall for Russell Westbrook. Uh, who do you think wins this trade? Uh, in your opinion, it's obviously a little bit early to, to Washington. Tell the season hasn't started. No but yeah, neither team, neither team won. Yeah, Washington wins it if we got to pick a winner. I think, think I think this makes Washington um, well getting rid of that John Wall contract. I think is massive for them. I, I think their ceiling this year is all their ceiling. If if they reach like perfection, is potentially a four seed. Yeah. Probably more like a five or a six. But they just went from not making the playoffs most likely to being in the running for home court. So I, they're the winner long term. Who knows? But this upcoming season, at least. Um, they're they're the winner for now. Yeah, I mean, in the very short term, you have to say the Wizards because they got a better player. Because you know, I think John Wall is nowhere near as good as people. I think mean, he's is. looking good in training camp. Looking pretty yeah, good. Yeah, really does. Paid him two years, and he's they, Washington essentially paid him seventy or uh, ninety million dollars yeah, to not, to not play. Is you know he's. You know, he's got more tattoos than he's played minutes over the last five <laughs> um, You know, he doesn't fit with Harden. Beal, and Westbrook doesn't fit with Beal at all because yeah. he's just a ball-hogging stat putter. And Beal last year blossomed when he didn't have someone like that in the form of John Wall not playing. So, you know, I just think, it, you know, and they've now got him on the hook for four years. I understand Scott Brooks, who's the Wizards coach, coached him in, when he was at OKC for all those years. But, you know, Westbrook doesn't change. He's too, he's too stuck in this mode. And, you know, that's why no, no team ever wins with him and he never will win. Well, I don't you think know. anyone wanted him. Like, no, I, I, contract is just too – it's too fat. And he's over he's, 30 now as well. It's just not a good deal. Nobody, yeah. yeah, nobody wants the, him or Harden at this point. And Harden's still sitting out. Yeah, Harden's okay. holding out. Yeah. yeah, in Vegas. Yeah, I saw that photo of him in the nightclub. Uh, what do you guys think of this? Is he trying to catch COVID so they yeah, can trade him? Like, seriously, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty nuts. Um, yeah, obviously, yeah, Russell Westbrook going uh, to the Wizards. Surprisingly, not uh, choosing to wear number zero. Uh, Marcin Gortat has given Westbrook his okay. permission to wear the number four. The <laughs> which, I thought, which I thought was <laughs> very, very surprising. That's my uh, guy. Yeah. Um, I drafted him every year, fantasy basketball, every year. I was like, he was like my last round pick because he was always going to give you like 
11 and 9, give you that double double. Dude, he was yeah. a beast. Is he, st- is he still playing for the Wizards? No, he retired a, year, a couple years ago. Yeah, I was going to say, I haven't heard his name in a very long time. Uh, he was fun, I want, though. I want to speak uh, quickly about the uh, Christmas Day schedule because the schedule for the first half of the season was released. Uh, a couple of notable match matchups uh, for Christmas Day. Uh, no Lakers versus Clippers. Uh, that will be uh, opening night tip off. Uh, but Janus and the Bucks going up against uh, Curry should be very interesting. And also, uh, Luca versus LeBron should be also another very interesting game uh, to watch. Yeah, the Luca. My big question is, where are the Blazers? <laughs> <laughs> Back in the day when we had Brandon Roy and Aldridge, it was every year they were on Christmas Day. And I understand not putting them in the last few years, but, man, they're one of the more fun teams to watch at this point. Got a lot of drama. You could, you could put them in there against a number of teams and have it be a fun game. Who is the, who is the guy? They, uh, they should have done a Blazers versus Timberwolves game. Did you see the, the beef between Lillard and uh, uh, Anthony Edwards? Did you see that Twitter beef? That would have been pretty funny to go <laughs> no. on Christmas. I think Anthony yeah. Edwards said something like he was talking. He was talking shit about Lillard's rap career. Oh right, and, and Lillard was like, that. "Oh mate, you're gonna have to develop a jump shot if you want to make it in the West or something like that." <laughs> uh, that would have been pretty cool to watch. Uh, the, also, the the other two games are uh, the Clippers versus uh, their immortal nightmares uh, in the Denver Nuggets uh, repeat of the series that went down this year and also Kyrie replaying, uh, playing Boston again, uh, which should be interesting to watch as well. Yeah, the, the NBA is all about those storylines because there's no yeah. actual competitive play because we all know the Lakers are going to win it again. So they have to make the regular season as interesting as possible with storylines because everyone, because there's no real competition for the winning. Well, position. a question I had for Dylan is, uh, a lot of our Australian listeners don't really understand why uh, games are played on Christmas Day because in Australia, Boxing Day for us is the, the big sporting day. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask Dylan, did, do you know why games are played on Christmas Day and why it's only NBA games that are played? Well, traditionally, Christmas, as opposed to Thanksgiving, uh, falls on the 25th. Uh, and Thanksgiving is always like a Thursday, so it's easy to do football on that day. Um, yeah. So I I can't tell you the history of it, but as long as I – it's always been basketball on Christmas. Um, football by that point is, is, you know, winding into the playoffs, and they yeah. don't want to clog it up. I, it's largely because of TV contracts too. You know, NFL gets – Thanksgiving and the Sundays and the Thursdays and basketball t- channels block it all out for NBA that day. Um, I, I, I don't know the history of that, but I just know that that's how it's always been done. So it's just one of those traditions that goes back to, you know, some decision in NBA corporate offices that has stuck around. Fair enough. Do you want to add anything to that, Charles? Or? You know, I love the Americanas, you know, good <laughs> fun. I like the Christmas Day games. I like the jerseys. Um, yeah, the jerseys nice. are cool. Yeah, I've always liked that. Jerseys, trying to do the. I remember line. when they tried doing the sleeve jerseys on. They brought them out like oh, eight ten years ago. The sleeve jerseys, if you guys remember those, and they were like the next big thing on Christmas Day, and they did not stick around. 
Well, it's only like for one day. soccer players out there. Do you guys remember the uh, the Christmas ad they did with the different the buckets and they all had bells on them? That was the best ad. That was such NBA. a good ad. Yeah. If you want to, <laughs> uh, if you want to check that out on YouTube, uh, be sure to do. Okay, let's move on uh, to our final topic, uh, which was the news uh, coming out today from the IOC. Uh, obviously, Tokyo being moved uh, to 2021 next year uh, due to COVID. But uh, news for Paris in 2024 is breakdancing is becoming an official Olympic sport. Uh, it will be played by men and women um, in uh, Paris in 2024. What do we think of this, boys? Oh, God. They're just trying to appeal to everyone, aren't they, now? God. Yeah. I mean... Look, soon they'll be playing Call of Duty and eSports will be up there. I mean, seriously. Like, <laughs> fuck. Hell. Yeah. You, know, some, you know, I can't wait for Step Up 6, the Olympic. <laughs> oh, well, no. yeah, well, there's five new sports coming to the Olympics next year. Do you think the Olympics are just becoming too overblown with the amount of sports that are being played? Yeah. 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 I'm all I mean, for inclusion. I like, I like seeing a lot of them more as merrier usually, but with this, it seems like it's breakdancing can have its own platform. They can have their own day, but the Olympics is probably not the right platform for that. I think the Olympics needs to maintain sort of that level of prestige that it's only a select few sports that make it you know i yeah i like i like bringing golf into it i i wish there was still baseball um well baseball's coming back next year it, yeah you're right yeah so i'm glad yeah. they're bringing that back some of them like golf like i'm cool with i'm cool with that no um, I, I disagree i disagree i don't think i don't think golf should be in the olympics i don't think tennis should be in the olympics anything where the olympics is not the pinnacle of that sport should not be an Olympic sport in my. I would hundred percent. I can agree. I can see that argument. Yeah, I yeah. the go, I'm not I'm not like set in stone on the golf. I think it was kind of fun to see it because oftentimes players don't get to play for their country outside of the Ryder Cup. That's which true. Maybe maybe that's an argument for not having them in the Olympics. Is that the Ryder Cup is kind of every two two years is kind of a bigger deal. Um, yeah. But having a chance to play for your country, I think it's kind of unique. Um, but I, I can take it or leave it on regards to golf, but agree with you for the most part. Yeah. yeah look, I think if, 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 if people pull out of the Olympics because they just would prefer to stay home. Well, look at Rio, look at Rio in 2016, like the, oh, the Zika virus, therefore I'm not going to go to the Olympics. Like that's just bullshit. You don't want to go. <laughs> You're yeah. not making any money from it. So what's, what's the point for a, a guy like Roy McIlroy to go and play for, for a week? in Rio. It just doesn't make any sense. I also have kind of a, not a huge beef, but kind of a, of a beef with the, the judge sports, which is tough because swimming and um, gymnastics is such a big part of the Olympics. Yeah. Um, but this, I, I what do you mean by judge? Things. What do you mean by judge sports where a judge is adjudicating over yeah. a sport? Yeah. I was reading right. an article and it was someone, it was someone from Australia um, it was a squash player from Australia who was trying to get squash in the Olympics for years. And he made the point that I, I tend to agree with that, you know, it should be more about the, there's a set score and points as opposed to 
the judge sports where you're receiving points from a panel of judges because that right. leaves it open to corruption. And right. I, I, I get that. I still, you know, I wouldn't want to remove gymnastics and, and the diving and type of stuff from the Olympics, but yeah. something like breakdancing is just breaks the mold a little bit too much for me. It also has no history with Olympics. Right. Like, you know, right. about, you go back to the you whole. You can see the Greeks doing that. that. Oh, can you imagine the Greeks break dancing? Yeah. 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 Sorry, John. down from Mount Olympus and giving you the old one too. You know, <laughs> you know stick to you know. I, you know, I'm. I like the old stuff. I, I just want to see track, fields, swimming, and all that sort of stuff. I don't. I don't need break dancing. You know, I don't think the Olympics are exactly desperate for money. They're the second most popular sporting event outs after the soccer World Cup. Yeah. So. You know, it's not like they're pressed. You know, it's not like they're pressed for cash. So you know, I just think it's a dumb cash grab. And well, you know, break yeah. dancing is like an underground sport, like an underground sort of movement, and it's not a sport either. It's you know, you know it's just yeah. ridiculous. Well, there's a huge debate uh, over over this. So I'm glad you brought it up because the more sports you add to an Olympic Games, the more Revenue has to be spent on de- developing facilities, uh, hosting uh, more people in the Olympic Village. So my question for you boys is, with the more, more sports being added uh, to the Olympics, what do we think about going to a system where five different cities around the world are you know, chosen for the Olympics and that's just played on a cycle? Uh, every 20 years, that city hosts the Olympics. Because there's been a huge problem in the past with you know, photos coming out from Rio and Beijing where these facilities are literally used for two weeks and then they're never used again or they're knocked out. Yeah, right. look, the, the, the infrastructure spending that these countries have to spend is enormous, and like yeah. the outlays. Um, you know, I, I like the idea of the Olympics going to different countries and sort of bringing yeah. tourism, but the problem is they go to countries that can't afford it. Yeah, you know, I don't know if they went to every country in Europe and, and you know, Australia could afford it, the US can afford it, the Russians can afford it, you know, most countries, you know, most countries in North America could afford it. So, like, there's okay, but when they go to Brazil, which has got corruption galore and no infrastructure and terrible, you know, sort of, you know, ethics, mm. you know, you can't really expect much else, you know. You know, it's 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 terrible. You know, they don't send it to Uganda, you know, just because they put in a nice bid because, you know, they can't afford it, you know. So I, I just think that they should keep it at countries where they already have the existing infrastructure. I almost think there needs to be oversight and restrictions that if you're going to do this, you need to, in the end, end up in the black and not lose money because that's the situation like what happened in Brazil. Most yeah. years, the loses tons of money some countries, like we've talked about, can absorb that. Brazil can't, and their residents are living in abject poverty, yet they're spending millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars on building these Olympic infrastructures uh, that, you know, like we said, they can't afford. So, Yeah, well, I think they need, they need to just, prove that those, like, yeah, I, I get the whole spending money argument, but I, I liken it to the way that Qatar has done their Olympic bid. Like, there's been a lot of criticism over... Sorry, not Olympic bid. World Cup bid. 2022 World Cup. Qatar... Because they bribed 
Yeah, they did. They, they bribed to get it. But at least those state, they have a plan for the way those stadiums will be used after the World Cup, right? The, the point I'm trying to make is that the Olympics, they're, they're literally building these centres and whatever for the Olympics. There needs to be a plan in place to prove that these things are actually going to be used after the Olympics and for the benefit of the community of where yeah. they are as well. I agree. Or like crowdfunding. I, I think that their countries need to come together to build these together so that if, if you, I don't like the idea of limiting it just to the wealthier nations that can afford it because then you're taking away a lot of opportunity from countries like Brazil. Yeah. I think it's great that Brazil was able to host it, but I would like to see some sort of like crowdfunding where the other countries come together and help pay for that. I don't think it necessarily needs to be on just the host country to pay for all this. The, the Olympic committee can help fund this countries can help fund this. Cause I think that is, if you're trying to build a sense of international community, that's what's going to do probably more than a lot of things is, is helping each other out to afford those. Awesome. Any last notes, Charles, or should we wrap up? Yes. I have one last Go for quiz for you guys. What, what was the first year the NBA hosted, held a game on Christmas day? First Nine year. Or... 56. No. Plus. 19, 1972. 1947. Oh, wow. Okay, no, what, what two teams played? The Knicks oh. and the 76ers? Lakers? <laughs> Close. Good guess. The Knicks and the Providence Steamrollers at Madison Square Garden. Oh, wow. Uh, there you go. There's a bit of history right there, ladies and gents. Only, only a year after the uh, uh, NBA's inception. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so it's been, it's been around for almost a century at this point. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. That's pretty nuts. All right, well, that's all we have time for today on The View from Down Under. Uh, just uh, thank the boys for joining us for a very good discussion about the NFL and also uh, breakdancing becoming an Olympic sport. Cheers, fellas. Thanks for listening to The View from Down Under. If you like the podcast, be sure to give us a follow on Facebook or Instagram to be notified for future episodes. Catch you on the next View From Down Under.